0: Hello, and welcome to the Section 109 podcast from Studio Breezy. It's Breezy and Matthew. What's up? And we're here to talk some podcast awards for the year. And those awards, one of which has been voted on by the listeners, and the rest of them are just bad opinions from us. Yeah, thanks to the, like, literally five of you that voted uh, today in a
1: five-hour poll.
0: It coincides with our, our gross listenership, which is seven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Does that
0: include the number of times that you listen
1: to each podcast we put out? Yeah, that's
0: how we get the extra. That's how we get the extra from five to to seven. It's good to the know. extra two times. Good to know. Um, but first, we're going to go into and a little reminder. We did some of this. We kind of did a half version of this after the women's season, but it bears repeating and bears going through again. Uh, as now, the women's and men's seasons are both fully over. So, from the women's season, uh, offensive player of the year. Let's just jump straight into it. Matthew?
1: Yeah, I gave mine to Jackie Montez uh, and I don't have actually the stats up in front of me right now, which is a mistake on my part being prepared to record this podcast, but I believe that she hit uh, I think two goals and an assist on the year and that was statistically our our best offensive player.
0: Yeah, I thought Jackie was very good. She wore the number nine and uh, was up front a lot of the time and I thought she was really key and I, I will be interested to see if she's back next summer and there's a little more space so listeners know between this podcast that we're recording now and when the women's season ended. So everything's not quite as fresh. So apologies for that. Um, and our memories, but Isabel Aguilar was mine. Um, I don't think the offense functioned at all without her. Um, she had a great goal, uh, the goal of the year, spoiler alert, but it was also the case that if Isabel wasn't clicking, kind of our offense wasn't clicking because our midfield, uh, needed her to create things. Um, yeah. And, and, she and was my, my offensive player. of the year, And
1: also oh. one goal, one assist on the year. Yep. Um, yeah, and f- just fantastic player overall. All
0: right, Matthew, defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, I went with uh, I went with Polly because Polly did nothing wrong.
0: Absolutely. Polly did nothing wrong.
1: And and I want to point out, you know, she played left back uh, for most of the season. I think there was a game she played a right back. And then when we moved to the back three right at the very end of the season, she was kind of playing left center back in that. W- I mean, it was kind of wild, like where we were playing basically one center back. And then two outside backs in a back three. Yeah,
0: we played her on one side and Anna Silva on the other for a while, which is the world's <laughs> shortest back line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, I had I had to give it to her. Uh for me personally, although I think your your uh, your defensive player of the year makes also a lot of sense. Mine was Analanter.
0: Um and and that was because she Ar- was the, argu- arguably team MVP. Yeah, yeah, pretty clear. Team captain for a reason. She was the Richard Dixon, or Richard Dixon is the Analanter of the two teams. And they were in, bo- are both incredibly important to what each coach tried to do. And without them, we would have lost way more games and won way less. So.
1: Speaking, speaking of, uh, we would have given up a lot more goals uh, if our honorable mention defensive player of the year was not was not on the team. Caroline Johnson, absolutely, uh, and also shout out Caroline Johnson for showing up for like half the fall season for the men. That yes. was always great. To, always great to have women's players come back for the men's games.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I will say something else about Anna Lanter in, in that uh, in the last Nashville game, the the home playoff thing, um, not playoffs. Sorry, the last home game right before what the playoffs would have happened. Um, the and then our away game there as well like she looked like the kind of the only player that really belonged um when you're like a, if you made a best 11 you know i love i love our girls but like she was the only player if you made a best 11 of the two teams oh for the conference yeah, that yeah. would have been on our um no i mean if you just just the two teams us and nashville for example um, oh, okay so if you look so us and nashville or the entire conference like she's the only player from our team and i love our girls but like she was the only player who would have been clearly a best 11 player that played for um, us. So That's probably shout fair. out Anna Lanter. Uh, best moment. We both had the same best moment, um, which was our win at home against North Alabama. And a uh, reminder, Polly did nothing wrong. Damn straight. Um, and I will give an honorable mention here to the first game away at Nashville. Um, it was just such a good we are back. Um, felt so good. Big cathartic release. Yeah. First scoring
1: league. scoring that goal. Uh, I think Go to up make early. It, well, no, to make it 2-1. Uh I think Nashville scored two goals, and then we clawed one back, and it was yeah. like, oh, my, this might be on.
0: In my recollection, we went up first because I like that narrative better. <laughs> Let's not mention what the final score was. Um, go! Uh, we'll give it also a little tiny honorable mention to the away game at Alabama, where after the game, we took the probably the photo of the season, yeah. which was with all the players and all the um, fans that weighed it down. Just a really, really special moment, like we kind of got to know each other a little bit, the fans and the players in that moment where they all came over and you know, they got to
1: at, at Knoxville force had the same, had the same type of moment. Uh, that Sunday afternoon game we played, uh, it was yes. a big, 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 big crowd. It was fun.
0: Agreed. Um, goal of the year. We both gave it to Isabel for the volley. Have to unbelievable celebration of the year was the post game. Nuga high or sorry, new, uh, Chatta, Chatta high, Nuga low. Um, in the after the home win against Alabama, it was so good. I think the the ladies had waited all season for like to do the Chattahoochee lows. They'd all been briefed, um and I remember like Analantra had asked somebody who had asked like, somebody who had asked us like or however it went. There was some big game of telephone where they're they're like, "Are we going to do that after the after the games?" And we were like, "After wins, yeah." And so, like that was the first win, and like the, you could see how like much everybody in the stands and on the field enjoyed that together. yeah, yeah, um, and I hope we do a lot more of that this next season. Um, save of the year, well, we both gave it to Caroline Johnson against Tennessee Force.
1: yeah, the just like there are three different one- on one saves that Caroline made in that in that at home game to keep it to keep it close, uh while well, trying trying to keep it close, uh and man, like just some of the, I mean some of those are just nasty. Like I think she tried, she gets chipped on one of them, just sticks a hand up and like pull, mm-hmm. like pulls the thing out of the air, reminiscent of uh, of Alec Reddington against San Diego last year, just like sticking it, sticking a paw up and just like pulling down a ball with one hand. It was yeah. really, really good.
0: The game could have been much, much, much worse. So yeah, if if you're looking for more women's content, number one, next year we'll, we strive to have even more, and then number two, there's a couple interviews that we did this year with women's players. We also did a full season wrap up um, and review kind of like towards the end where we were doing breakdowns of some games and then of the season and then kind of what we hope to see and how we were playing. And yeah, so you can always go back and listen to those. Now it's the off season. Um, And hopefully we'll be doing a lot more of that with a lot more wins next year. All right, Matthew, now on to some novel content, since we'd kind of sort of done that some of those before. The men's season has also wrapped up. Let's go first with the very first category being offensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, so I... I (laughs) <laughs> this isn't this isn't like a, a this isn't hard this isn't difficult right
0: uh, The is the league's offensive player going to also be the podcast offensive player I think you have to get the league's best player not I, just the league's offensive player I,
1: I think it's it's not controversial to give it to the league's golden ball or the golden boot winner golden ball winner and CFC's second all time leading goal scorer Marcus Nagelstad. not difficult at all
0: not difficult at all 20 um,
1: goals on the season, seven assists on the season. He added one hockey assist in there for 28 goal contributions. The number, 28. We scored 56 goals in all in all games on the season. He contributed to literally half of the goals we scored in 2022.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Pretty freaking good. I'm just gonna point out there. Pretty freaking good.
0: Yeah, I, I I could not agree more. Um the vote was, you know the yeah the the vote amongst co-hosts was pretty close to unanimous there for Marcus if we had to pick another one if you're going to pick an honorable mention and we had some of these categories we wanted to give honorable mentions so we had some second just honestly we had some second shout outs here and the sec- if Marcus if you took Marcus off the team and you're like well, you can't pick Marcus um, we we would have picked Alex McGrath yeah um 6 goals 5 assists he was third in goals tied for second in assists um, his combined assists, or he had five hockey assists as well, so his combined assists were 10. He had 16 goal contributions, if you include hockey assists, which is second overall. Um, he had an exceptional season from the midfield. And, yeah.
1: Second o- overall from midfield, and if you had to, and, and like, we, we talked to Rod, and, like, you know, Rod's very much, like, you know, positions are fluid, blah, 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 blah. But I think it, it it's not, it, it is not a crazy thing to say that, like, Ian Ciro is our most offensive midfielder. Alex McGrath would be the slightly more defensive of the two. And if you want to get just like down and dirty, like Sarah's more of a 10 McGrath's more of an eight. And you've got Richard's as, as, as the six in that midfield. McGrath is our second most offensive productive, productive offensive player from the eight. Like he, you could take, you could take Marcus out of the system and, and, and put another forward in and, I don't know if we, I don't know if another forward scores school scores 20 goals on the season. No,
0: I I, I'll, I'll stop you there. But,
1: but I, I do think like another forward, you know, the system is designed to get shots for the center forward. And I do think another center forward would score a few goals, but especially from deeper positions. A lot of times McGrath was the reason why this, this offense was able to flow back to front and a lot of players, a lot of players had had big roles in that. Frankie Martinez had a huge role in that. Richard Dixon's ability, mostly defensively, to be able to allow players to have the freedom to go forward helped tremendously in this. And and spoiler alert, he's going to be my defensive player of the year. Uh, and also his ability to play offensive balls, which was kind of a revelation. His ability to play forward and on the ground mattered a lot. But I think if you had to pick one player outside of Marcus. That helped make things tick offensively. Offensively, it's McGrath. And that's before we even get to the goal contributions that he had.
0: Yeah, it's it's the crazy thing, I think, is be thinking about like Taylor Gray, who had an excellent offensive season overall. Like Alex McGrath probably had a better season. Um, But yeah, uh, so. Again, number one there, no surprise, it's Marcus. Best season in NISA history offensively, best season in CFC history offensively, and it's really not particularly close for either one of those. Um, And then, you know, honorable mention, Alex McGrath, who was incredibly key to what we did as an offense.
1: Last thing I'm going to mention here, Nagelstad had uh, the most goals scored in a single calendar year for CFC in CFC history. He has the second most as well, uh, which was last year in 15 goals or whatever it was. I think he is second in assists in a single uh, calendar year from this season with seven uh, only surpassed by his eight last year. And I think this one's more significant for me.
0: Wait, how many did Jimmy two phones have? Um, I think he also had eight.
1: It was eight or nine or, or maybe it was actually 10. I forget now. It might be Jimmy two phones. I need to go back and look.
0: So Jimmy Tufon's in first and Marcus is in second. Is that what you're saying?
1: Or they had the same? They might have shared the same number. Uh, there's, there's something. I don't know. The point is that's a lot of assists.
0: Yeah, yeah it is. It, the overall goal contributions is bananas. Absolutely bananas. Um, congrats to Marcus. Well deserved on your postseason awards. Yeah,
1: it's it's Jimmy Tufvanson. I don't know. What I'm th- I don't know what I'm thinking.
0: But still, like the fact that your center forward has as many assists, and we'll talk yeah. about some of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, defensive player. You said Richard Dixon. I said Richard Dixon. Um, it's pretty clearly Richard Dixon. So like the podcast award, like we don't need to play for it. Richard Dixon was the guy putting out fires all year. Yeah, he was the most important player defensively for us, and he wasn't a defender. Um, he did. He allowed the offense to tick, as you pointed out. He allowed the defense to tick. Yeah, because we had somebody who would clean up all the messes. And for the love of God, let's get Rich some help next year. He, he, was,
1: he was the best.
0: He can't do all the work every year. Like I, I they, I think that... also the, he's a Nisa best eleven player. You stupid fucking people.
1: Yeah. So so number one, he's he's obviously Nisa best eleven. That's that's the biggest snub of, of the Nisa awards is that he was not best eleven. Well, that's, you can make an argu- a legitimate argument
0: that we should have had eleven of eleven. Yeah.
1: Okay, calm down. He, you sh- you could have made an argument legitimately that that Richard Dixon should have been given the Golden Ball overall for being the best player in the league because what. What he allowed us to do is simply ridiculous, and uh, and, and and like I I, I was listening to uh, driving back one day uh, last week or something like that. Like the Knights put out their their individual best 11s. Why would you, do which that? was a lo- load of horseshit because they don't even know that Pruner-Rendon was a forward and not a defender.
0: Uh, you should not listen to but like them they, at all because one of they're them,
1: idiots. One of them put out uh, one of them put out a best 11 with Richard Di- Rich, Rich Dixon as, as a defender.
0: You stupid fucking people.
1: He didn't play a minute of defense all play season. He
0: played a single minute. Uh, that's not true. He played five minutes at the end of the semifinals <laughs> when we were down a man. He played in a three man wild shit. So you give him a little credit there. But also, the Knights of Nisa are so fucking stupid. Like, if you can't get it right, why are you doing a podcast?
1: Well, that, that would defeat the purpose of podcasts in general. Oh, that's a good point. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. That's fair. And like, I'm sure they can say some shit about us. Not them. Other people could say some shit about us. But they are so bad at everything. It is unbelievable.
1: Let's get back to it, though. Uh,
0: Maybe they'll publish a story about Richard Dixon being a center back and then have to retract it later.
1: I don't even for worry lack about of, that. For lack of facts. Dixon is the best defensive player in, in the league playing from midfield. Because if you think about it, with the lion's share of the season at our center back positions was, was Frankie and Collins Tripling. And... and Colin when you when you like go back into like the like, you know thinking about the season, so often we we remember Frankie and Colin playing progressive passes forward. It, we don't remember them for a lot for their defensive work
0: or Frankie running making a run into the opponent's half and <laughs> yeah, making a pass. There was usually that and, once again, which is phenomenal and so fun. But or like, we're getting an assist at the top of the opponent's box to Brett Jones.
1: We we think about those guys like on the offensive side of the ball way more.
0: Yeah, because our def- our two defender, our two cent- center backs were offensive players and our central defensive midfielder was a defensive player.
1: It's wild. It's
0: bananas. I-, I
1: cannot I cannot say enough for the performance that Richard Dixon put in this year.
0: I agree. I could not agree more. All right, on to best moment. Uh, by the way, Jay and Smitty, co hosts Jay and Smitty, had some uh, some input on all of these um, or mo- the vast majority of these. But uh, best moment, the podcast, Best moment win was the win over Memphis in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, yeah, that was an unbelievable win. If you want to get super hype and be happy, just go watch, like I did before this podcast, the two-minute um, montage from CFC, which is just a hype video from after the Memphis game. Um, it's the goals. It's the vibe. It's the fans. It's
1: so good. It was an incredible night. It was incredible an, night.
0: Honorable mention. Um, you and I both agreed on this honorable mention. Uh, three points at San Diego. Um, that first half was brutal. And then the second half was so good. And Rod said on the podcast was probably our, one of our worst halves of the season and then followed by one of our best halves of the season. Yeah. So like, I I don't know that I would go that far personally, but like, that's, you know, that's what he's, he said. Um, I loved that game. That was such a big moment in the season. It was
1: like, it was turning a corner on the season. Almost.
0: it, It was, it was, it, we proved that we were a really good team because we made adjustments and fixed it at halftime. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. Um, goal of the year so first of all if you check the show notes you can watch the cfc 56 goals if you haven't watched it dude go watch it like what do you do i'll be honest like i can't talk any shit because i just watched it today for the first time um (laughs) and i've watched it now three times today uh and it's so so good so it's like
1: nine and a half minutes long too so
0: so before we get to our um pod actually let's just say our podcast goal of the year because everyone knows what our podcast goal of the year is right it's
1: it's alex mcgrath versus san diego away
0: it's the 15 pass sequence and if you want to watch if you want to be a real nerd how to be a soccer nerd? Here, you got to go back and pull up the actual YouTube of the game, and then you got to find the goal in the second half, and you got to watch the full build up because the the to CFC's credit, they they did everything really quickly and good, so that like it all has a rhythm. And you couldn't they decided not to include much passing before each goal, and I, I that's fine. But you miss part of that goal if you don't get the fifteen pass sequence. Yeah. So it's such a good goal. That's the podcast goal of the year. Um, because we are stupid nerds and that is the goal we like because of how, uh, how fun it was. Um, but let's just leave that one to the side. That's goal number 43, by the way, of the goals on the CFC goal, uh, review. So if you're looking it up on YouTube, uh, goal number 43, Alex McGrath, it's phenomenal. Um, after that, we have some honorable mentions we want to shout out here in no particular order. Um, McGrath versus Memphis second goal, number two on the podcast list, on the, uh, excuse me, the overall goal list of the, um, of the video. It's number two and it's, it started the season on such a bang for that Memphis game. It was such a harbinger of things to come, which was Alex McGrath being hell on wheels,
1: McGrath and high pressure turnover. Brett Jones, not making a guy McGrath slamming at home, man. Yeah. It's up there, man.
0: It's up there. It, it be, It's it in, in other seasons. And in my, like trying to think of it, it's for sure in my top five um, of, on the season. Um, Marcus assists to Ian. So we, we, as uh, many said something and we said this on the podcast uh, earlier on in the season that sometimes the the pass is so good that the goal the passer should get the goal and the assistor like said so the assister should get the goal and the tap in should be the um assist or be the goal assist you know what I'm trying to say they should switch goals and assist. i don't know if anyone
1: knows what you're trying to say right
0: now let me try that. let me try that one more time uh the person who passed it should get credit for the goal and the person who scored it should get credit for the assist if the pass is so good yeah um and that was one of those so there's two it's actually they're not quite carbon copies, but they're they're pretty damn close. And it's in the first Flower City away game and the second Flower City away game. It's Marcus playing the ball across for Ian Serra for a tap-in and Marcus playing the ball across for Ali Haimes to steal his goal. And so it is so, so good. It's completely, it's the easiest, two easiest goals of the season. And that includes the Greg Stratton tap-in. Those are the two easiest scored goals of the year because of how it's just put on a platter right in front where somebody just sticks it in. Um, and it's, yeah, it's amazing. And those are, I, w- I want to shout those out because those are my two uh, yeah, those are just two goals that I wanted to shout out. Not because like they look like they're so easy, but they're just so created across the box. I don't know. And they're flower cities. So you give a little bit of a discount to them, but <laughs> man, they, they were so fun and rewatching
1: a huge goal. uh, A huge goal. Shout out that I, that I want to put down is uh goal. Number 23 on the season. It was Greg Stratton uh, tapping home an incredibly well-worked corner sequence uh, against Syracuse at home. We talked about this goal at length on the podcast.
0: It's the, it's the best set piece goal of the year. And if we hadn't scored that goal away at, at Cal, I'm not Cal, sorry, at uh, Albion, I think we might be talking about this as the quintessential rod goal, not because it's 15 passes, but because of the way it cut through with really smart passing yeah. and created the tap in the,
1: the line breaking pass. So like you know, goal of the season for me is, is Alex McGrath at San Diego pass of the season for me is Richard Dixon's hockey assist to Alex McGrath, for him to lay back across for Stratton's tap in in that Syracuse game. It's unbelievable.
0: And by the way, it's Alex McGrath on the assist there. For anyone listening, it's Alex McGrath, not <laughs> Brett Jones. Um, sorry. Listened to somebody say that today. Uh Marcus at Cal, number four goal number 41. Uh, that was goal number 23 for Greg Stratton, uh, 23 on the list. Marcus at cal, number 41. Talk us through this one.
1: Yeah, so it it comes off of I, honestly it's a really it's a really simple goal. It's it's just a throw-in comes in, uh, and I think Frankie and Ian Sarah like just bat it amongst themselves a couple of times. Uh he Frankie plays the ball to Richard Dixon that he that he just bumps right back. And those you sometimes wonder why why we pay like sometimes play these really short passes back and forth to one another that don't appear to have any purpose. And sometimes all it does is allows uh, defensive players, if they're not truly paying attention to like the shape they're supposed to be in, it can pull players out of shape just a little bit. And a couple of these small passes pulls Cal United a little bit out of the, the shape they needed, and and they they kind of miss where Alex McGrath happens to be. And Frankie plays a really good ball into Alex McGrath in the middle of the field. Um, and, and like really at the top of the box. McGrath lays the ball back that's honestly not that great. For for Damian Rodriguez, Uh, Damian has to come back and come back and go collect it. And then that allows Damian to to like just face up his defender, takes him on, beats him to the byline,
0: cuts it back. He beats three defenders. Damian does all in one with there's another there's two defenders crashing by the time he beats his defender. The pass goes through those defenders and there's three more defenders on Marcus and nobody manages to get to the ball.
1: It's cut back it's cut back in the box. It's brilliant. Yeah it, but it's, it's exactly the kind of goal it's 2 on 6 that, that we set out to score uh at at the beginning of the year. Like these are the kind of goals we wanted to score were cutbacks in the box and, and it, it put us up 2 nothing. And it does not get much much more cutbacking in the box than that.
0: Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm a giant fan of that goal and it was it seems really simple but it's like two players beat six on like a quintessential like cut back in the box one more that i forgot and i forgot to write down which number this was was uh travis's travis ward's like little dink over to marcus and finish oh la
1: forced at home yeah yeah.
0: and that is like that was just one of my favorites um of the year it's not that hard it's pretty like i mean like it's it's a quick finish so it's a good finish and it's like a, a good pass at the right time so it's like a good but none of it's like super intricate or super hard it's just two players making like really good plays at the same time and you just go like two players did a one, two and took on the entire defense and beat them. Uh,
1: let's go to our, uh, our listeners choice goal of the year. Good call. Uh, which as voted on by just a few of you, uh, and it goes to Taylor gray at home against Bay cities. The fourth goal in that game, uh, and and we all remember it for Luke Ferreira's incredibly good back heel assist. That's Luke Ferrari to you.
0: <laughs> Luke Ferrari uh, with maybe the pass of the season, um, the assist of the season for sure. The fact that he like takes the entire defense, which is like three guys, two two guys at this point, turns them the wrong way, pretends like he's gonna give it to and, and Damien. Damien. But he has great control of his body at the same time where he's like shielding them off and holding the ball and juggling it and then just backheels to Taylor and Taylor just takes it the rest of the way. It's filthy. And yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I got nothing, I got nothing else I can actually add to that. It's just, it's such a good goal. I understand why it's listener's choice it's goal of the year. I will also mention one more um, that I can't believe I forgot. The sauciest goal of the year is Taylor Gray's <laughs> chip. Yeah. Um. Let me see if I wrote down the number that that was. Um, it's number 28. So Taylor Gray uh, it's a ball over the top from I believe Frankie, and he's just into acres of space, and he just chips the goalkeeper. Uh, it's it's an obscene chip, like it's fun, is what it is. It's so saucy. And going back and watching those goals, I forgot how many just fun goals Taylor Gray had. Like he he had ten goals, eight eight goals. Okay, on the he had eight total. goals, and I think six of them were like spectacularly fun or something like it just I mean he had he had nutmegs he had cutbacks he had this that and the other like they just he had so much fun so many fun goals all right last category I think nope not a last category sorry celebration of the year this one was pretty unanimous I mean
1: like how do you not give it to Travis Ward's gritty yeah I get it against Memphis like how do you how do you not now I do I do appreciate the the classic Marcus Nagelstad just kicked the shit out of the corner flag.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Um yeah. I But wait, we got we gotta
1: have a I think we need to have a little bit more fun with our celebrations. Like Tra- like Travis knew what he was doing. He had he had a couple great ones.
0: I think the thing is like Travis has that swag where the second he scored, every time he scored, what did he have three goals? I think two. Two. Both his goals, he knows immediately because he's been planning the celebration. And he's like, no, no, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Here's my goal celebration. He had the night night (laughs) and he had the gritty. Um, The goal celebrations, like, yeah, Travis was on another level as far as like planning. And like, I feel like he's the one doing them after practice. There's another goal celebration in the Charlotte game where all four players come over and dance together. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Um, It was Damian, Roddy, Luke. Chris Bermudez. Chris Bermudez came over and danced together. That was fun um there were some more fun ones but the uh, the other honorable mention that i will the official honorable mention i'll give here is the second goal versus san diego um all the players came running over to us um it's, it's right after the best goal of the season right the podcast goal yep. of the season yeah and they all come running over to us and they have a little team celebration like in, right in front of us and then they're celebrating with us too and it was just a really really cool moment and i know it's like really insular because it's like there's only 12 of us there but it was yeah it was super cool and that that's my that would be my um if I had to pick one, not that I didn't love the gritty, but that was my celebration of the year. But that ended up the honorable mention because I got vote, outvoted by everyone else saying the, the gritty. <laughs> and maybe some too old to even know what the gritty is. Um, all right, Matthew, save of the year. Man,
1: this is a tough one, actually.
0: Uh, yeah, there was this one had uh, some back and forth and some debates.
1: Yeah, I, we ended up we ended up deciding to give it to uh, KG's kick save in, against Stars in the semifinal. It's fairly late in the first half.
0: And it's it's that one feels worse to give it in a game we lost, but that game could have been one nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we talk about way earlier. We we talk about like you know the chances we had in that game to take the lead, uh, and like the good saves that that Magruva made in, in some of those moments. Well, KG made a made an incredible save to keep the game nil nil as well. Uh, to, to keep to keep his Zenit. and and sometimes, you know, you can have more chances than the other team, but if if players make plays like. There's just nothing you can do, and, and and KG made a huge save for us uh, in that one, and and we just decided that because of the moment, because of the the significance of that game, it was worth giving a um, it was worth giving save of the season, due. But like, think about the goal, the, the saves that we could have, we could have mentioned. Uh, you've got KC, uh, KG versus Bay Cities on on the road, an absolutely spectacular save he makes, maybe the only save he had to make basically in that game, uh, in kind of a a big one on one situation. You've got the double save against Cal United, which was incredibly good. Uh, you've got some of red saves. Uh, so I'm thinking one specifically on Minjay Kwok uh, uh, where, where he dove in a home game where
0: he dove left, saved it went up in the air. He jumped up in the air before the ball landed and went and got the ball, yeah. Yeah, I mean the, out of the air. So he like he did a dive save, and the ball went up in the air. He jumped up, went over somebody, and got the ball back.
1: Incredible, incredible. Alec good. was
0: on, won that game. We we won that game in part because he made like three one on one saves. Red also made.
1: Uh, there's a classic. I don't, I don't actually know how great of a save it is because I don't know like uh, of how how huge an opportunity. And I think the 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 wet field really really helps Red here. Uh, but there's one against Maryland Bobcats uh, away in the uh, in the August game. Where's there's a big shot, like kind of a daisy cutter, like just across the field. And he goes and makes the sliding save and just like slides across like another good 10 yards or whatever. It's real fun. Um, there's, there's some, I think there's a good, there's a good gif of that out there somewhere.
0: Nice. The one and only game I still haven't watched this year. <laughs> Literally, it's the only one I ever rewatched.
1: Uh, and then there's, uh, I think there, I mean, there are a couple other good saves in there, but I think those are the, those are the really big ones. Um, there are a couple, actually, you know, here, let's, let's do one more, on mention from a game, uh, the Syracuse game away that we lost uh, red has a couple of pretty damn big saves in the first half after we had already gone down a man uh, to keep that game one zero to keep us in it uh, before we get be, were able to like kind of regain the game uh, and start taking it, uh, taking it a little bit to, to Syracuse. And I'll, obviously we ended up not loading that game, but I read thought, that thought red played pretty well. Uh, and made a couple of big saves for us that we really needed. Yeah,
0: I, I could not agree more. So that's all I have for my list, Matthew. It's it feels like it feels like we we could have given more awards, but we needed more categories. Maybe. But I will say, like this was a really fun year to give awards um, because last year we didn't score that many goals. Yeah, and, th- I, and this year we had so much more to talk about on the on the offensive side. Of the and ball. basically,
1: had like twenty more goals this year than last year. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and hopefully with the uh, hopefully with with next year's women's season, uh, I mean, we've talked we've talked and, and we don't need to we don't need to go into it on this podcast tonight. But, uh, you know, hopefully that w- we get an earlier start on recruitment and get some get some really good players, put together a really good team uh, and score a bunch of goals so we can talk about talk about women's team goals uh, in, in, in massive numbers as well.
0: Yeah, I I could not agree more. So, here's to hoping that next season uh, brings back a Marcus scoring 25 goals this time, and <laughs> and a uh, and a, a Taylor Gray scoring 15, and a, uh, and, a and a few Alex McGrath, sure. and Alex McGrath scoring 12. Um, that's my hopes for next year. But uh, from
1: yeah. from all of us at the Section 109 podcast, I just want to say Happy Thanksgiving to everybody.
0: And and I'm very very thankful for all of our goals this year and all of our wins. That's what I'm thankful for, Matthew.
1: I'm thankful for all of our listeners. All five of them? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can count them on my hand. That's it, true. It, it makes it a little turkey.
0: We, <laughs> we should send them personal thank you cards. All right, everybody. <laughs> thanks for listening. Catch you later.